John chapter 1 in our Bible this morning and we're going to preach a message that is going to go right along with our theme that we introduced to you a couple Sundays uh, with there, John uh, chapter number 1. And we're going to look at verse number, we're going to start in verse number 43 this morning uh, in the, with the time that God has given to us to look into his word today. John chapter 1, and we're going to start there in verse number 43. Now our theme this year is the thought of come and see. Come and see. That was, as the year was coming towards an end, that was the theme that I felt like the Lord was laying upon my heart for this uh, this year, that we would look into the Word of God and all the different invitations that God has given to us in His Word uh, with the word come, as He gives invitations for us to come, and uh, with that specific thought of come and see that we see here in John chapter number 1, really two different places we see it in John chapter 1. And we looked at the first one uh, two Sundays ago. On the first Sunday of the year, we had our Vision Sunday, and we introduced you to this theme. And we're going to preach through the invitations, of course, of the Bible. And then we'd like to use that thought of come and see uh, in our own lives personally now to invite others to come and to be introduced to our Savior and to come and be a part of our church here and to be a part of our services. And so we want God to use us to be the instruments and the vessels uh, to invite folks to come and see this Savior that we worship and the church that, uh, by the grace of God, uh, the church that, that we are here, at, that God wants us to be. And so with this theme in mind, we're going to look at John chapter 1 this morning. And I said this two weeks ago when we started preaching here from John chapter number 1. I told you that the most thrilling invitations are the ones in Scripture. Now, I use the illustration of the fact that probably every single person has had a time where they've been invited to something, whether it be a wedding that you were invited to or maybe a birthday party. I'm thankful that I was invited to Naraya's birthday party, and I'm going to have a good time with that, and I'm having a lot of fun with her with that. But you might be invited to a birthday party or uh, maybe some kind of a shower I know uh, ladies enjoy going to the, the, the wedding showers and the baby showers that somebody might have invited you to. But the most thrilling invitations that we could ever receive are the ones that we notice in Scripture because these are the ones that Jesus issues. These are the ones that Jesus gives to us. And we're going to get to notice at the start of our year here these invitations that we see all throughout the Scripture. Now, two weeks ago, in verse 35, starting in verse 35 and going down to verse number 42, we saw an invitation that Jesus extended to Andrew and another disciple. The Bible doesn't identify who that disciple was. It just says it was Andrew and another disciple or a fellow disciple. And so we know it was Andrew and another disciple that received this invitation from Jesus. And the invitation that Jesus gave to them were the three words that we have introduced as our theme for this year. Jesus said to them, come and see. And that was an invitation in response to a question that they had asked. They asked Jesus, where do you dwell? They're wanting to get to know him a little bit more. And so the Bible tells that Jesus said, come and see. And the Bible tells Andrew and that other disciple decided to follow Jesus. They even spent the day with him. And after spending the day with him, the Bible tells us that Andrew wanted to share that good news of the fact that he had found the Messiah, he had found Jesus. He wanted to share that good news and he wanted to point somebody else to Jesus. And so that 
invitation of come and see turned into, in his heart, a desire to go and tell. Now I want to go and tell somebody else what Jesus has told me to come and see. And so it encouraged him in his heart to go and tell. And so the Bible tells the first person he goes and he finds. Now again, we, we did this two weeks, we, we shared these verses two weeks ago. But the first person he goes to find is his brother. He wants his brother to come and see Jesus and be introduced to Jesus and find out how wonderful this Messiah is, this Savior is. And so the Bible tells he goes and he finds his brother Peter and he brings his brother to Peter so that he can see Jesus and get to know Jesus. And we know that Peter later becomes one of the disciples of our Savior as well. But in the text that we are in today, starting in verse 43, where we left off two Sundays ago, we see that the next day, in this story here in John chapter number 1, the next day brings about another invitation. So we're going to get to see another invitation on the next day. And then I have some thoughts that I want you to perhaps either jot down in your Bible or maybe in a notebook if you have it today, or maybe just to meditate upon in your mind this morning from this passage of Scripture starting in verse number 43. And I want us to notice the next invitation that is given. Would you look at verse 43 and verse number 40, 44 to start off this morning? In verse 43, the Bible says this, the day following. So again, what is this the day following of? What was the day following when Jesus spent that time with Andrew and then Andrew went to go get his brother and his brother Peter was introduced to Jesus. So the day following, the Bible says, Jesus would go forth into Galilee. Now notice the next three words. The Bible says in verse number 43, and findeth Philip. Now we know that Philip is going to become one of Jesus' disciples as well. So Jesus on earth here during his earthly ministry had 12 disciples. We've already been introduced to a couple of them. Andrew, Peter, Another disciple in that passage of scripture there in John that was not mentioned or was not addressed by name. And so we know we've already met several disciples here, but now we run into another one here. In verse 43, we hear the name Philip, who's going to become one of Jesus' disciples as well. As a matter of fact, it happens this day. Because notice what happens in verse number 43. And saith unto him, follow me. Now one of the most powerful things that we could consider is when the Savior says to us, follow me. And we know the testimony of many of these disciples, they followed Jesus immediately, didn't they? So they left whatever it was that they were involved in. We know that Jesus took some fishermen and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So they weren't going to be fishermen anymore or fishers of fish, but they were now going to fish for the souls of men. And he told them to follow him and they left their nets or they left their nets and all the things that they would be used, that would be used to make themselves their money or the occupation or their, or their, or their, their, their earning and, and they just went and left it all to follow Jesus. We know there was a tax collector by the name of Matthew, right? And the Bible tells us Jesus tells Matthew to follow him. He gets up from the very place that he's working. And the Bible says he follows him. Well, here's Philip. And the Bible says Jesus says to him, follow me. Now look at verse 44. Now Philip, it just identifies some things about Philip here. Now Philip was of Bethsaida the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, we've already been introduced to Andrew, Andrew and Peter. They, Andrew, the one that followed Jesus, they went to find his brother. And so we've already identified them. Well, the Bible says that Philip is from that same area. He is from the city of Bethsaida. Now look at verse 45. Verse 45. The Bible says, Philip findeth Nathanael. Are you noticing a pattern here? 
When somebody comes to meet Jesus, they want to find somebody else so that they can invite them to come and meet Jesus as well. By the way, that's the pattern that we're trying to establish in our hearts this year. This is the thought. This is the, this is the theme for the year of 2024, that God would use us to be instruments to say, hey, I've come to Jesus. I've seen what he's done in my life. I've experienced it. And I want, you, I want to invite you to come and do the same thing. I want to tell you about Jesus. We had an opportunity yesterday to go out visiting. Every week at our church here, we have our visitation, our outreach. We go out into our community and we try to invite people to church. And there were several times when we knocked on doors yesterday where I had a chance to tell them that there's some information we're giving you not only about our church, but about our Savior. We want to tell you about how that you can spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. This is something I've received, and now I'm trying to be a witness to tell you how you can receive it as well. This is good news that we don't want to keep to ourselves, right? And so the Bible tells us after Philip was said of, it was said of Jesus that Philip was to follow me, the Bible tells us Philip findeth Nathanael. Now watch this, verse 45, and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, excuse me, we have found uh, him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. All right, so let's think in our minds what he's saying here. He's saying, all right, in the law, the books of Moses, we've got in the start of our Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those are the books of the law. We call them the Pentateuch. They're the books that Moses, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote for us in our Bible. He said, Moses wrote about this man. Matter of fact, we know there were several passages of Scripture, including the very beginning of the book of Genesis, where it was talked about that Jesus would come and he would be the Savior of the world. So he said, this is the one that Moses wrote about. We found him. We found him. And I want to introduce you to him. He said, this is the same Savior that the prophets wrote about. And all throughout the books of the prophets, the major prophets, the minor prophets, what do we hear about? We hear a pattern of the story of Jesus. And what Jesus is going to do, he's going to be born of a virgin. He's going to be born in the city of Bethlehem. And, 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 and the Bible talks about all the things that are going to take place and then how he was going to die on a cross and how he's going to be buried and how he's going to rise again. And so the prophets told about all of this. He said those things that Moses has told us about, those things that we've read about, those things that the prophets have told us about, we found this, that one that they were writing about. Notice how he identifies him. Look at the end of verse number 45. He says, Jesus of Nazareth. Now that's very important that he labels him Jesus as Nazareth because of what Nathaniel says next and we'll get to it in just a moment. Notice the end of the verse, verse 45, the son of Joseph. Now we know that Jesus was born of a virgin so he didn't really have an earthly father but helping to raise Jesus was Joseph so he was the son of Joseph. The Bible identifies him there as Philip says that to Nathaniel there in verse number 45. Now notice in verse 45, that immediately when he came to know Jesus, Philip wanted to share other, Jesus with somebody else. He wanted others to be able to know and experience what he had seen and what he had experienced. He was excited about it, wasn't he? And I'm going to go and I'm going to find somebody else so that I can point them. I want to share what I know with others. I want to point somebody else to Christ. Notice a pattern of what is happening here in this, in this chapter. Would you look back up to verse 41 for a moment? Just back up, just for a moment. Verse 41, it says, He findeth, or excuse me, He first findeth, there's the word findeth, 
His own brother Simon. So who did that? Andrew did, didn't he? He went and found his brother Simon. Now look down if you would at verse 43. Verse 43. The, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. You notice a pattern here? Andrew finds Peter because he wants to point him to Jesus. Jesus finds Philip because he wants to make him a disciple. Look at verse 45. Philip findeth Nathanael. Philip finds Nathanael and he goes to locate him so that he can point him to Jesus. And then by the way, one other thing I noticed in this verse as I was reading through, studying to prepare for today. Look at verse 45. It says, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, we have found him. We have found him. Here's the idea. What I have found, I want you to find. I want to introduce you. I want to point you to the one who I have found. So he found him, and then the Bible says he goes to find somebody else so that he could share the good news. Now here's a couple thoughts. If you're jotting these down, I hope you'll be able to do this on maybe a notebook, maybe in your Bible there, maybe in your mind, just keeping these so in your mind so that you can meditate on these things in this passage of Scripture this morning. Number one, I want us to notice the skeptical reaction. I want us to notice, number one, the skeptical reaction. The Bible tells us Nathaniel reacts with skepticism. He is very skeptical about what he hears. Look at what verse 46 says. Now this is right after Philip find it, find, found him and told him, I found the one that Moses has wrote about, the prophets have wrote about, and uh, uh, this is Jesus of Nazareth. This is the one I found. Now notice what he says, verse 46, at the very beginning of the verse. And Nathanael said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Notice the skeptical reaction. Is any good thing possibly able to come out of Nazareth? Now you might ask, why would he have said this about Nazareth? Nazareth was a, a, a nowhere place. It was one of those places that you would say, if you live there, you're going to end up nowhere at all. It was a nowhere place. We would identify in the Bible Nazareth as being an insignificant village. What an insignificant village N Nazareth was. Not only that, but Nazareth was never mentioned in the Old Testament of the Bible. So because of this city never being mentioned in the Old Testament of the Bible, how can you tell me that you found Jesus and there's something significant about Nazareth is what the, the, the skepticism of, of, of Nathaniel felt like, his reaction, very skeptical. Nazareth also was not a place that would be associated with the expectation of the Messiah. The Messiah is not going to come from, surely, surely he's not going to come from, from a place like Nazareth. And so we notice, number one, the skeptical reaction, but number two, I want you to notice the simple response. I want you to notice the simple response. Now, have you ever had a time, I'm trying to get us thinking this morning, have you ever, as God caused me to think as I was preparing this message, have you ever had a time where you've tried to, and we're going to specifically narrow it down to this subject we're talking about today. You've tried to tell somebody about Jesus. You've tried to tell somebody about your church. You've said, hey, we go to Victory Baptist Church here. We'd like to invite you to come to our church so you can be a part of the revival services or Sunday services or missions conference services or a special day we're having, and we want to invite you. And immediately that person's reaction is very skeptical. Yeah, I just don't, you know, I just don't know about that. Or just their reaction immediately you could just say that just you're being very skeptical about that. See, the idea here is this this morning. We have to be careful how we respond no matter how people react to the invitation that we give. Philip was so careful 
about how he responded, I want you to notice the simple response. Look what the Bible says. He says in verse number 46 at the end of the verse. Remember, Nathanael's asked the question, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, three words now, three words is all Philip says. This is his simple response. And the three words were, come and see. Now to me, that's a pretty simple, open, inviting uh, response. Simple, open, inviting words that were said. He just said the thought, come and see. We would identify this as a spoken invitation, right? He spoke the invitation. You come and you see. Matter of fact, I think it goes back to what we said two weeks ago, that when we have been able to see, and we've been able to experience Jesus for ourselves, it puts upon our hearts the desire to go and tell. And I want to tell somebody so that they can experience, they can be able to see what God has done in my heart, what God has done in my life, and that simple spoken invitation of go, uh, or to, of, of, of come and see. Because God had put upon his heart now the desire to, I've got to go and tell somebody. I want to tell somebody. I want you to be able to experience what I've experienced. Now here's the idea. I don't want us to quickly pass over this so that we don't get exactly what the Bible teaches us about this. I believe there ought to be spoken invitations. I believe clearly in the Word of God, He teaches us that there should be spoken invitations, meaning we should use our mouth to tell others about Jesus. God wants us to use our mouth to put feet to things and go out and tell people about Him. So go and tell. That's, that's, that's what God desires. God desires that we give spoken invitations. But can I say this? There's something else that God desires of our lives as well. He also wants us to live out our faith as well. So it's, it's about balancing the two. Saying, yes, I am to, with my words, with my mouth, give somebody a spoken, verbal invitation, but at the same time, I have to live this out in my life as well. I have to be an example of the Lord Jesus Christ in the way that I live so others can see that in addition to what I'm saying with my mouth. Here's the idea. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 5 that we are to be the light of the world, right? And the Bible says then that we are to be the salt of the earth as well. So as light, we are light in a very dark world as a Christian. We're to live out our faith. We're to be an example. So we are light in a dark world. We are salt in a very evil, corrupt world. And God says it's so important for us to be light and it's important for us to be salt as well. He says this in Matthew chapter 5. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So it's not just the spoken invitation or what we say with our mouths. It's the way we live our lives as well so that others can see. And that, that will bring glory and honor to the Lord as well. So again, it's about having a balance. But certainly the spoken invitation is so important. And that's what Philip does here. He gives a spoken invitation. Here's the thought. The good news, what do, we, what, do we, what do we say the good news is? The good news is the gospel, right? And what is the gospel? The gospel has three parts. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, that is good news. That's good news, isn't it? And the good news, or the gospel, is for sharing, isn't it? We're to share what Jesus Christ has done for us. The proper response to knowing Jesus as our Savior is sharing Him with others. I hope you got that statement this morning. 
the proper response, if you're, if you're saved in here today and you know Jesus as your Savior, the proper response to knowing Him is that you would be willing to share Him with others. And so Philip says the words to Nathaniel, come and see. And by the way, those words, come and see, it's our theme this year, but it also, in this passage of Scripture, is a model for us of how we are to share our faith. We're to give that invitation to others. Would you come? And then with that invitation comes a promise, right? If you come, then you will see. You will get to experience the Savior that I'm telling you about. And you'll get to experience what I've seen, what I've experienced in my life. You'll get to bear witness of your faith. That's what, that's what Philip is doing here. He is bearing witness of his faith. I trusted Christ, and now I want somebody else to know. Let's not be silent. Let's make sure that we're given the, giving the spoken invitation for somebody to come and see. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bible open there to John, would you turn to John 1? If you have to turn back just a, a page maybe to John, the first part of John 1, would you look at verse number 6? The Bible says there was a man that was born shortly before the Lord Jesus Christ and he was to be the forerunner of Jesus. He was to point others to Christ. What was his name? John the Baptist, right? He was to point others to Jesus. Notice how he did it. Would you look at verse 6? We're in John chapter 1. Would you look at verse number 6? It says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now watch this. What does John do? John does what you and I are supposed to do. Look at verse 7. The same came, from, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. By the way, capital letter L. Who's that speaking of? That's Jesus, isn't it? He is to bear witness of the light. Bear witness of his faith that he's put in the Lord so that others could identify. Notice what it says at the end of verse number 7, that all men through him might believe. Now watch verse 8. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So John the Baptist is not the capital letter L light. That's Jesus. But he was only sent to bear witness of that light. And every single one of us that know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are to have the same response. We are to point others to the Savior that we know. We are to bear witness of the light. But I want you real quickly to look back at verse number 46 for just a moment here in John chapter number 1. And I want to bring out a thought that we have to be so careful with in our testimony and in our, our spoken invitation. Notice it says John 1 in verse number 46. Remember I said number 1 was a skeptical reaction. Number two, we got a simple response. Notice this simple response was three words. The end of verse number 46, go and, or excuse me, come and see. Now, did you notice something he didn't do? Did you notice he did not respond with an argument? Did you notice he didn't respond with some type of a debate? See, we got to be so careful that if somebody's reaction to our invitation is not what we think it should be, we do not respond with an argument. That's not going to get us anywhere, is it? We don't respond with some type of a debate. I was at a door several months back, and I had a man, he, he wanted to do nothing but debate me. And so I told him, I said, I'm sorry, sir, i got to move on. I was interested in trying to tell people about Jesus that day. He was just wanting to argue. He was just wanting to debate. That's not our purpose, is it? We're trying to point people to Jesus. He didn't respond with some kind of an argument. He didn't respond with some kind of a debate. Instead, he just gave the simple statement you come and see. It's Philip's way of saying this. And by the way, it would be you and I, our way of saying this. Don't just take my word for it. You come and see.
It would be our way of saying, check it, check it out for yourself. It would be our way of saying, I, 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 I've seen and I've experienced what God has done for me. And I want you now to see and experience what God can do for you. So you notice he's not trying to convince him. He's not trying to jam some type of a belief down his throat, but he's just encouraging him. You make up your own mind, but I'm telling you, if you come, you'll get to see and you'll get to experience what I've been able to see and what I've been able to experience. By the way, that's one of the reasons why we invite folks to our church. That's one of the reasons why we invite folks to our Savior. Because we want them to see and experience what God has done in our hearts. So we must try to help someone see what we've seen, what we've experienced. Something that has been meaningful in our life. I want to try to point people to what has been meaningful in my life. I want to try to point people to something that has been life-changing. A gift that I have received that, by the way, is a gift that is, most, that is more important than any other gift I could ever receive. I want somebody to know about that. I said to somebody just yesterday, we were talking to them about what, what, the, what, what, our, what our gospel track said as we handed it to them at their door yesterday. And I said to them, this is something that would be the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. The most important thing that you can ever make in your life is the decision of where you'll spend eternity whether it be in heaven or whether it be in hell. And I wanted them to know that. We want them to know we've received a gift and I want to extend that gift to you. So we, uh, we don't, we don't it, it's, it's a matter of saying simply this this morning, we're not, we're not the ones that's doing the convicting. We're not the ones doing the saving. We're just doing the inviting, aren't we? And then God takes care of the rest, doesn't he? So you don't have to argue you don't have to debate somebody. You don't have to try to convince them. Just say, hey, don't take my word for it. You just come and see, and God will do the convicting, won't he? And then God takes care of the saving part. The rest we just leave up to him, but he wants us to be the spoken invitation. He wants us to give the simple response. The third thing I want you to notice this morning is this. We saw the skeptical reaction. We saw the simple response, but the third thing I want you to notice this morning is the Savior's reception. The Savior's reception. Now, remember what Philip said? Philip said, you come and see. Well, when Nathaniel came and he saw, his life was changed. And the reason his life was changed, because of the, it was because of the Savior's reception. You know, the Bible tells there's not a single soul that the Savior will reject. Isn't that good to know today? He's not willing that any should perish. He will in no wise cast out anyone. There's no one that he will reject. He will always receive you if you want to reach out and take that gift of eternal life that he wants to give you. Notice the Savior's reception. Would you look at verse number 47 with me? Verse 47 says this, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? He was amazed that Jesus knew that about him. Here comes a man, the Bible says, is an Israelite indeed is in whom is no guile. Jesus said that about him and it amazed Nathaniel that he knew that about him, but it's going to amaze him even more when he finds out what else Jesus knows about him. Look at what the Bible says at the end of the verse. He said, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Man, notice the omniscience of our Savior there. He's all-knowing, isn't he? 
It wasn't that Jesus had to be right there at the fig tree where Nathanael was to be able to see him. He saw him because of his knowledge, didn't he? He is an omniscient God. So Nathanael asked him, Why is it, how is it that you know all of these things about me? And he said, oh, well, before Philip even called you to come here, he said, I already knew you were underneath that fig tree. What is he trying to tell Nathanael? He's trying to tell Nathanael, I know everything about you. Just like our Savior knows everything about us. And He cares for us, doesn't He? And He loves us. And He will always receive us. And the Bible tells us that this was Jesus, this was the Savior's way of removing any doubt that Nathanael had because Daniel, or excuse me, Nathanael, because Nathanael was pretty skeptical, wasn't he? I mean, how can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Are you serious that you found Jesus of Nazareth? What's going on here? I mean, I'm very skeptical about this. It's Jesus' way of removing all doubt. If you can know those things about me, then I believe that you are the Savior. You are the one that has come. It was Jesus' way of removing his doubt. It was Jesus' way of giving him assurance. Aren't you glad for you and I today, we have assurance through the Word of God. God's Word gives us assurance. We don't have to have doubts. We don't have to have hesitations or reservations. We can just turn to the Word of God and it gives us all the assurance we need and it can remove all of our doubts. And God in His omniscience, the Savior in His omniscience, receives, has such a reception for Nathaniel that it causes Nathaniel's heart to change because I want us to notice the last point this morning and we'll be finished. We said, number one, the skeptical reaction. By the way, that was Nathaniel's reaction, right? Then we saw the simple response. That was Philip's response to his, his question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, come and see. And then we saw the Savior's reception, but I want to close this morning with the last few verses in this chapter, and I want us to notice the satisfied recognition. I want us to notice the satisfied recognition. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 49. It says, Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi. Now, this is Nathanael's way of saying, God, you've removed all doubt. You've given me assurance. Now you have increased my faith to believe that it is you. Notice the words that he uses, recognizing Christ for who he is. Notice the words that he uses, the, the titles that he gives. He calls him Rabbi. Now remember that term rabbi we saw at the, at the, in the other passage of scripture here in, in John chapter number 1. And remember it identified Jesus as being the master. Rabbi, you're the master. So he identifies him as rabbi. And then at the end of the passage he identifies him as the son of God in verse number 49. Then he calls him the king of Israel. What's happening here? His faith is being displayed. Nathanael was introduced to Jesus through Philip's testimony and through Philip's invitation. And now all of his skeptical thoughts are now removed. Doubt has been removed. Assurance has been given. His faith is on display. And can I ask you this this morning? What is it that changed his life? What is it that changed his faith? It was not Philip now. We have to remember, it wasn't Philip, but, but, but God did use Philip as an instrument though, didn't he? Here's the thought. If you and I are going to point people to Jesus today, he's going to use us to introduce them to Jesus and as an instrument or a vessel to tell them about Jesus. But it's not us that changes a life. It's not us that changes faith. It is a person's encounter with Jesus Christ. And I remember that Sunday night when I heard the pastor preaching the message of 
salvation in heaven. And as a six-year-old boy, I listened and God began to speak to my heart. And I went home that night and my mom showed me from the Bible how I could know Jesus as my Savior as a six-year-old boy and I put my faith and trust in the Lord. The pastor was an instrument that night. He was an instrument to point me to Jesus. I'm so thankful for that pastor being used as an instrument that night. He was a vessel that God used as he preached the message that God gave to him that night. My mom was an instrument God used that night. She was a vessel that God used to point me to Jesus. But it was the encounter that I had that night with Jesus that changed my life. It was the Holy Spirit and His working in my life that was convicting me and showing me I had need of a Savior that truly changed my life and changed my faith. So here's the thought tonight. Although throughout this year, the year of 2024, we want to look at these invitations in the Bible and we want to be busy telling people, I want you to come and see. Here's the thought tonight. It's not in our ability... We're going to be used as an instrument and as a vessel this year, and I hope you'll get on board with this and say, God, I want you to use me as an instrument. I want you to use me as a, as a vessel to go out and tell somebody about Jesus so that they can come and see what I've been able to see, what I've been able to experience. But it's not our ability that's going to bring somebody to Christ. It rests in God's ability. He just uses us as the instrument and the vessel. And may we ask God to surrender ourselves to say, God, would you use me this year? Would you let me be that instrument just like Philip was? And so I'll finish this message this morning by way of a few thoughts or questions of application this morning. Who is it today that you could be instrumental in inviting to church? Who is it that you could be used to be the instrument of the vessel to share Jesus with? You know, maybe immediately God might put somebody in your mind. Just like, by the way, I think that's the way he did it with Andrew and Philip. Andrew immediately said, oh, I've got to find my brother. I, my brother's face popped in my mind right away. I've got to go find him so I can point him to Jesus. For Philip, it was Nathaniel. I don't know why, I don't know why it was that God put them, th those two individuals in, in, in these men's hearts, but they were the ones that God put in, in their hearts, and they said, I, I want to try to point people to somebody, uh, to, 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 to Jesus. Who is it that you could invite to church? Who could you share uh, your faith with? Who could you be a, a testimony to? Who could you be an encouragement to? We talked about this morning in Sunday school. We live in a day today where we need encouragement. We need encouragement. People around you need encouragement. They need to be encouraged. By the way, we said it also this morning in Sunday school. You, we like being around people that are encouragers, don't we? We don't like being around somebody that's constantly complaining or constantly criticizing or constantly staying, saying thoughts of, of, uh, that will discourage us. We like to be around encouragers. Who could you encourage this week coming up? Who could you, perhaps in your life as a Christian, disciple? You say, what do you mean by disciple? Try to help people grow in their faith. Who could you be a discipler for? Who, who is it that you could, you, who, 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 who is it that God could use in your life that you could be an instrument or a vessel. And then I'll ask you this question by way of application this morning with this thought of come and see. We have saw it in the life of Andrew and Peter. We saw it in the lives and the ministries of Philip and Nathaniel as well. What is it this morning that would stop you from being a witness? What is it that would stop you from being a witness? Would you say, well, it's because of fear? I'd have to be honest, I'm a little fearful because somebody might, might, might reject it. 
Now, there's a lot of people that are going to reject the gospel. But that doesn't mean we should stop. We shouldn't live in fear. We've got to press forward. We've got to be faithful in telling people, hey, I, 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 I've seen, I've experienced what God's done in my life, and I'm not going to live in fear of rejection or denial that will stop me from being the witness God wants me to be. Maybe perhaps there's somebody in here that would feel like it's, it, what would stop you from being a witness is you, you, would, you would look to be, more, to, to, be, to be self-righteous if you're trying to share your faith with somebody. But we've got a message that we cannot hide. We've got to give it out. It's not a matter of saying we're self-righteous and we're better than somebody else. No, it's we're trying to point you to the one that changed our life. Would fear stop you? Would the thought of being self-righteous stop you? Maybe for some it would be the thought of saying, well, I don't know if I know really how to present the gospel. Well, here's the simple answer for that. You just share with somebody what God did for you. You share with somebody else what Jesus did to change your life. By the way, one of the things that I announced several weeks ago here in our church is we would like to have a time, because it goes with our theme this year, we would like to have a time where we, present, where we offer a class where we can show somebody here how to share their faith with others and to take the gospel and to invite somebody to come to church and invite somebody to come to the Savior, but then be able to tell them how they can know Christ as their Savior as well. So we don't want that to cause anyone to stop from being the witness that God wants them to be. Don't let anything stand in your way. Maybe it's time. Well, I don't know if I have enough time. This message is so valuable that we've got to make time. We've got to make time to teach in the public schools down the road here. We've got to make time to get on a church bus and bring people into church. We've got to make time to be here Saturday for visitation. And again, prioritizing Jesus. He comes first. We've got to put him first. He's got to have the preeminence because time is running out. We are in a desperate day, aren't we? We've got to share our faith with as many people as we possibly can as quickly as we can. And so let me ask you today, are you going to be like a Philip? Are you going to share your faith? Are you going to let God use you as an instrument, as a, as a vessel to share your faith with others so you could say, hey, come and see? You know, there might be somebody here today as we close our message today, there might be somebody here that has never trusted Christ as Savior. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. You don't know for sure you're on your way to heaven. You would say, I don't know that I've ever received that gift that you're talking about this morning. Well, we can point you to Jesus today. We can have somebody show you from the Bible how you can know Jesus as your Savior, not about anything you've done, but about all what He has done. You're a sinner, but He paid the price for your sin by dying on, sending His Son to die on the cross, and you just have to trust in Him and receive that gift of eternal life that He wants to give you. If you've never done that, I encourage you in just a moment, we have a moment of invitation, we'll invite you to come and make that decision, and we'll have some people that will be able to show you from the Bible how you can know Jesus as your Savior. But then there might be some today that would just say, I know Christ is my Savior, but I'm praying today that God would help me to be that instrument and that vessel to point others to Christ in the year of 2024. Now I'd be able to say to them, come and see. Come and see what I've seen. Come and see what I've experienced. And to be able to see God use you as that soul winner that he wants you to be. That instrument, that vessel of presenting the gospel to others, pointing people to the Savior. You know, there might be somebody here today, and I'm not saying this in a way to, to ridicule at all. I promise you that's not my heart. But there might be somebody today that would say, I'd have to be honest. I've never, in my time of being a Christian, have ever shared with somebody else how they can know Jesus as their Savior. I've never, I've never gone through 
the plan of salvation with anyone at all or pointed anybody to Jesus in my life as a Christian. Why don't we just get serious about it? Get serious enough about it where we'd say, God, I want you to use me this year to be an instrument. Maybe it'll be the first time I'll be able to share my faith with somebody. But I want to do that. And I want to point people to Christ so that they can come and see what I've been able to experience as I put my faith and trust in Christ. Father, thank you so much for the message that you've laid upon my heart today. And Lord, in the quietness of this room, in just a moment, we're going to have a, a, an invitation time. 